I'm Lindsay Zarniak. And I'm Lolo Jones. Coming up today on On Her Turf at the Olympics, we'll catch up with 19-year-old Hannah Roberts, who claims silver in the Olympic debut of BMX freestyle. U.S. Olympians and NBC Olympics analysts Alicia Montano and Kara Goucher will be coming on the show to talk about motherhood and some of the challenges women experience when trying to balance their athletic careers with their kids. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. Tokyo welcomed the debut of BMX Freestyle. It was Great Britain's Charlotte Worthington who won gold, but this is 19-year-old American Hannah Roberts from Michigan throwing down a monster first run. Roberts, a three-time world champ, claiming the silver medal. That was so incredible to watch. And we are now joined by Hannah Roberts. Hannah, welcome to On Her Turf at the Olympics. Congratulations. You won silver in BMX Freestyle's first Olympic appearance. What's it like competing on this stage? Uh, it was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, the, the level of the sport has risen so much in the last few years. And uh, just to be here um, putting on a show at the at the first, you know, first time it's ever in the Olympics. It was, it was awesome. How on earth do you put the fear aside? Because I look at that and my heart sinks. Those tricks look so dangerous. Um, you know, it, it takes a minute. It takes a minute to figure out how your head works. And uh, really, it's all about tricking your mind. Uh, it, it, it's been... Uh, Difficult to work through some moments, but uh, as long as you know that or believe in yourself, really, that's that's all that matters. We're we're seeing you do uh, uh, do some stuff, and the backflip I know is one thing that you've mentioned. What is that like when you're in it? Uh, you know, the backflip works so well. Uh, you just kind of sit back, and gravity does its thing, and you know the momentum keeps you going. So. Yeah. You make it sound so uh, the easy. The one of the funnest ones. Yeah, but you make it sound so easy. Not a lot of women are actually even doing the backflip, correct? Uh, there's there's more now than there was, but uh, it takes a minute to takes a minute to get over the fear of going straight upside down. Um, in 2012, you broke your back. What was like coming back from that? Um. Yeah, that injury, that was my first major injury, and that almost took me out of the sport for good. Um, I didn't know how how I was going to be able to ride again. Um, didn't know if I was going to be able to trust myself to ride again. And, you know, I had a lot of the pros call me in the hospital and just mm-hmm. give me the motivation. And I just had to trust myself and, and to work through it. And, you know, um, luckily my family and my dad was there um, for my first few sessions back to, to you know, just kind of, re- you know, remind me of where I came from, where I started. So uh, that was that was extremely helpful. And, you know, it got me to continue to push every through every injury and, and through every session. So when you say get started, Hannah, I was wondering, how did this get started for you in the first place? Um, I played a lot of team sports growing up and, and I love sports, uh, but I, I realized that I was kind of uh, introverted. I, I didn't really like relying on a team. So uh, I was watching TV with my parents and the BMX contest came on and uh, yeah, my, my cousin won it and told my dad, I was like, I want to, I want to try that. And they got me a bike. They took me to skate park and it's all history from there for sure. Hannah, that was incredible to watch you. Where do you think women's BMX freestyle can go from here? Uh, I think for sure it can only go up. Um, 
obviously there's a lot more women pushing it and uh, the level is just going to keep increasing. And uh, I know that I'm excited to go home and, and continue to train. And uh, I hope that, you know, young girls just see it. They love it. They love the community that you could build within it and they join as well. Hannah, you mentioned having to trick your mind when you're working on some of the stunts. Tell me more about that. Uh, you have to, I mean, for, for the entire sport, you have to be in such a mindset. You have to be able to trust yourself at everything. Um, no matter, you know, if it's the first time you're trying a trick or not, uh, it's, it's basically, you know, you can't go in half committed. Um, that's how you get hurt. So you have to just kind of tell yourself that you've either done it before or you have to trust your mind or your body to know exactly how to do a trick. Um, especially, you know, the, the flip tricks and, and the bigger tricks um, that women's BMX and, and men's BMX is, is into um, now. And, uh, yeah, it, it takes a minute to learn. And uh, I know some people still struggle with it. I still struggle with it. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that you can't, like, perfect and just know how to do. Hannah, one trick alone looks extremely difficult and energy consuming, and you do that for 60 seconds. I just want to know, how tired are you at the end of a run? And on your final run, you did uh, a flare trick at the end. Like, how difficult is to do, like, a difficult or a backflip at the end part of it when the lactic acid is coming or you're fatigued? You have to explain. Uh, yeah, uh, 60 seconds is, it, you know, it doesn't seem long, but giving it all you got, pushing, pushing every muscle you have to, to the full. Um, you're definitely feeling extremely exhausted by like 35 seconds in. Um, but it's, it is extremely important to end your run on a big trick because, you know, then, then it's, it's about consistency. It's about being able to, to hold yourself through that and the, the stamina that you'd have. Um, so it's super important. And, um, you know, pulling that last trick, pulling that big trick, it's definitely, sometimes it, it, it can get you. You could slide out or you could fall um, because your legs and your arms are just not what they were when you started your run. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of worth the risk because sometimes it's a great re reward. And uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's just something that you gotta, I guess you gotta um, work through when you're practicing is like, you know, trying to do these 60 second runs, even just and, you know, with no tricks and, and just trying to make sure that you can last that long, really. That's a part of this that I never even thought about. It's so interesting. There's also, there's so much talk about gender disparity in soccer and, and basketball. What's the landscape like in BMX freestyle? Um, <laughs> it was, it was kind of crazy when I first started in 2016. Uh, the first year that women's BMX was able to compete in contests all around the world. We, that was the first time we ever had a world series. Um, and you know, obviously the pay discrepancy, uh, men were making $8,000 and we were making 250 euro, um, wow. for a win. So that was, that was kind of crazy. Um, luckily I was 14 years old and, and I had parents that, you know, seen my dream and, and were, were helping me get to these events until 2017 when, when uh, sponsors started picking up and, and um, events started sending me to their contests. So, um, but not only that, I mean, there was three or two or three years where we didn't have a live stream where the only way that you could like see how we competed is if like one of us went live on social media. Um, contests used to never post about us. I mean, X Games still doesn't have a women's class. I mean, there's, there's so many things 
um, that's still happening and, and that we're trying to make equal. Um, I know that our World Cups um, are moving up. Uh, there's some there's some uh, events that aren't uh, qualifiers for Olympics or for anything uh, to do with Olympic sports that just started paying equal. And uh, I think our I think now our world cups or we make uh, women could win $4,000 and men is still eight. So um, we're moving up and it's, it's been a slow process and it's been something that we've had to like pull teeth for, but you know, the progression is, is undeniable and, and it's, it's nice to see that they, you know, don't, don't take it back anymore and they can't, you know, use us not, they, I mean, us not having the skill set that the men have, that's what they used to use. So it's nice that they can't say that anymore. Yeah, well, there's no denying that um, that they cannot say that when they watch you. So, <laughs> Hannah, it's so great talking to you. What a story. Congratulations again on the silver. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with more from On Her Turf at the Olympics after this. At the Tokyo Games, the United States Olympic team includes at least 12 moms. And the NBC Olympics broadcast team also has its fair share. That includes two. Joining us now, two-time Olympian Kara Goucher and 2012 Olympian Alicia Montano. Guys, we're so excited to have you here. Welcome to On Her Turf at the Olympics. I want to start by asking, how aware are your kids of what you guys do and how superstar rock star moms they have? Oh my goodness. Well, my daughter, she started elementary school and all of her, her parents and all of the kids were like, oh my gosh, your mom's an Olympian? Your mom's an Olympian? And my daughter comes home and's like, mom, what's an Olympian? <laughs> <laughs> so that answers that question. And she was the one that I ran with. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all, that, all that hard work. You're like, look at this video, yes. right? Yes. Kara, how about you? Yeah, my son is super unimpressed by me. Um, and my husband's an Olympian as well. He is not impressed at all. He does not think it's a big deal. So maybe someday he'll think it's cooler. I love you. Keep you honest. <laughs> Alicia, uh, you competed twice at USA Championships while pregnant. In 2014, you were eight months pregnant. In 2017, you were five months pregnant. Was it about empowering women or was it more about securing financial stability? Ooh, that's a little bit of both, actually, to be completely honest. You know, I wanted to empower women. There was so much conversation around if you should be exercising in your pregnancy. There was so much conversation about, oh, if you become pregnant, are you done with the sport? And, you know, it's a little bit of that. And within these contracts, it looked like, hey, if you were to become pregnant, you were going to get your pay reduced or cut completely. So I had to actually secure both of those things and also continue to tell that story so that I can open the pathway for future women who might also be considering motherhood. I was there in 2014 and I remember like, you wouldn't know this because you were preparing to warm up, but I remember hearing what the rumors were and what people were saying about you and like, this is dangerous, that she's gonna go run this. Like if she trips and falls, it's stupid of her to, to consider. I'm sure you've heard of it after the fact, but what were your thoughts when you were running that race? I mean, I know you had a plan of execution, <laughs> but I mean, did any of that come into your mind? Well, you know, plan of execution is not the same as if I was trying to win the race, right? So mm -hmm. my PR, 
PRs, one minute, 57 seconds. I ran two minutes and 32 seconds. If you can imagine that over two laps, I was way behind the field and I'm like trolling along. So there was no risk of me falling. And if I did fall, it would be like, you know, to a hand. There's nothing that was going to really harm myself or my baby. But really, I think it's the fact that people have not seen this enough. And now we're starting to see more of it. We've got social media that is allowing us to see more of these inspirational stories and see what women look like in motion. And then now they know, oh, this is possible. And what really my point was, was to break down these stigmas that we needed for women to know, hey, like this is a part of your evolution. It's natural and it's good for both the mom and for the baby. And also to help break down these stigmas with mothers continuing on in their careers as they evolve into mothers. It's the notion that it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? right? Kara, what, what has your experience been with this? Yeah, I mean, I trained all the way through my pregnancy. I ran the day I gave birth. And like Alicia, there was a lot of people worried, but I was working with a doctor and I felt very secure that I wasn't, like Alicia said, I wasn't training the way I had when I was trying to run at the Olympic Games. I was just running for enjoyment and for health. And so I think it's really important that people see moms continuing to work out while they're pregnant to see women be able to maintain, you know, working out. It's really important for their health and for the baby's health. And, you know, returning to competition was also really important to me to show that you could be a mother and compete on the world's biggest stage. So it was very important to me to return to competition. I think that makes, that's a great point. I mean, I, I personally remember I have two kids. Even if you're posting a photo of you working out, obviously I have no connection to performing in the Olympics, but you will get shame sometimes. You know, there are people that relate to you, but then there are people that just don't even see it. And they're wondering like, why would you even work out? They just don't understand. Kara, we have seen plenty of athletes and yourself included speak out in order to secure better maternity protections. What's your sense of where that conversation stands among current athletes? I think most current athletes are still afraid to talk about it. I do think that with Alicia and Allison Felix leading that charge, we really have seen companies change and make amends to their contracts, but we still do have a ways to go. We need actual maternity protection. You know, when I was pregnant with my son, my contract was just halted and I received no payment. And that just can't happen for the future generation. That added so much stress in my life as I was trying to give birth to a baby and return to my sport. And I really think... Careers are going longer and longer. We've seen it at these games. We see a lot of mothers at these games. And it's important that these athletes are protected. Um, and so they can be mothers and amazing athletes at the same time. Alicia, do you feel like there are women at the table making these decisions when it comes in regards to athletes and motherhood? And that's probably the biggest question, right? I don't think that there are enough women at the table. And now if we can see, okay, what do we actually need so that we can get these conversations started and see, oh, I didn't realize this was missing. If we don't have women there, if we don't have mothers there, if we don't have people that are even thinking of considering that they could consider motherhood at this table, then they're not able to ask the right questions. And the biggest question that we're doing with my nonprofit organization and mother is asking the athletes, what is it that you need to thrive in your career and in your motherhood? That's great. That's amazing. But how do you tie in like the perspective of those athletes that don't want to be moms? How, you know, I know there's a huge shift right now. I'm putting the focus on motherhood and women competing and it's making up for years of unfair treatment. But mm -hmm. how, what about all the athletes that don't have moms feeling maybe like uh, overlooked or how do you, how would you negate that? Well, I think the biggest thing that we are talking about here is choice. We want to limit barriers that have women like not even be able to make that choice. 
to choose between their career and motherhood. Right now, it's basically telling you, hey, if you choose motherhood, you're likely to have your pay reduced or cut altogether. So we have to be thinking about, you know, what battle is the biggest one right now that's actually, like like Kara has said, eliminating women from this workforce, from the industry, and even allowing them opportunity to progress and have longevity over it. So when we look at the athletes that are maybe their stories are getting left behind, you know what? That the main thing that you just said is how many women do we have helping tell these stories? That's why it's also important that we have women in analyst spots, in broadcasting spots that can talk about this and we can talk about all the nuances of it and how people think about it. And it gets that conversation started where athletes can say, you know what, I'm here for you. And the other athlete that may not be considering motherhood can say, you know, I'm here for you. I love that you just said that because I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't hear people talk about it in my industry, Mm -hmm. in broadcasting. We do not talk about it. And maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but there have been, there's absolutely an issue with that where people are afraid. They're afraid to talk about when they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I have experienced that um, in, in a couple different workplaces. You are scared to say, you wait, you wait until you wear different clothes, you wear stuff that's going to tuck you in until you're five months pregnant so that the person, you know, so that someone else doesn't come in and someone decides to move you. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I want to know how the grants for moms work with what you're doing, how that process is for them. Yep. So with us, with Anne Mother Org, that's our organization, we basically are allowing for the community to come in and donate to our organization. And with that, we have athletes that can apply for these childcare grants. These childcare grants are not only just for childcare, but we do know childcare is one of the limiting factors for women to progress in the workforce. It also can take care of things, you know, that whatever else they need that will support their training, if it's physio, if it's pelvic health floor um, therapy, those are things that are just not talked about, but are also necessary for an athlete to be able to return after pregnancy to her sport. I love that. Kara, you're over in Tokyo. Uh, you're away from your family while you're doing commentating. How hard is it for the athletes that do have their kids back home because of the COVID protocols? What are the adjustments like? Uh, what's the vibe there? You know, it is really hard to be away from my family. I'm not going to lie. I'm very close to my family and very close to my son. But my family did really support me to be here. So while it's been a little lonely, there's been a lot of FaceTime calls I do feel honored to be here. I'm excited to tell the stories of the athletes here. And um, I look forward to doing a good job here and then returning home to my family. I love seeing that picture. That was so cute. And you're right. Thank God for FaceTime, right? That's very true for everybody out there. All right. (laughs) Totally. Kara, how did you manage the balance when you were competing and you had to deal with also the motherhood aspect of it with you at the, uh, wherever it was that you were competing at that time? Yeah, when I competed at the London Games, you know, my son was, he wasn't even two years old yet. And so he still really needed me to be around on a daily basis. And so I had to, you know, I wasn't really able to stay in the village because I needed to be with my child. So I actually stayed in a hotel and had got a room for him um, and and my paid for my mother to be there to take care of him the day of the race. And, you know, that's what Alicia is talking about. Athletes need this support. I feel bad for the athletes in Tokyo because of the probe. Uh, COVID protocols, their children can't be here. And that would be so difficult for me to compete well without my family there. I feel like there are, what I've experienced is there are places, example, when I had my kids and I was working um, at the time and they made it very open for me to do that. I felt like it was a safe space. I did the same exact thing. I had a, a child care provider, in some cases, my mom, right? Be there with my son when he was really young. But 
it's definitely not something you have to be very comfortable to ask for that, right? So I do think that there's something that there can be standards across the board and certainly in sports where you want to see that. Is that how you feel also to what Kara is saying? Exactly. And it's, it's just exactly what you're saying is just having those policies where athletes don't even have to ask. They don't have to yeah. feel afraid to ask. It's just in there. If you are a mother, here's you know, the policy for you and your family. And here's how we're protecting you. And here's how we're saying that you're invited into this space. You don't have to feel afraid to ask it because again, we want it to be something where athletes feel like this is a choice that they can make, but also one that they don't need to talk about if they don't want to. Yeah, and I think, you know, Lolo, it's one of those things where too, what it, once that becomes more mainstream, then there's not such a difference. And it doesn't matter the, the competitors who choose not to be moms or are not moms yet. It's just not such a thing, right? There's not such a gap. It definitely opens up the dialogue. And I'm sure there's a percentage of women that want to have children, but they're also afraid, like you said, to speak out or, or maybe make that action because they're worried about their financial stability being ripped away or just the repercussions that would be harmful to their career. So, um, yeah, the more spotlight is put on this, uh, definitely opens up the dialogue and it makes it a fair playing ground. Yeah. I just have to know, what is the hardest thing about being a mom and an athlete at the same time? The, the hardest thing you actually had to overcome? Well, I'm going to say it's not easy. There are so many different variables. Like I, after I had my daughter in 2014, I went on and I competed in 2015. I won USA Nationals two times, six and 10 months postpartum. I made the world championship team, which is that our, one of our second biggest stages after the Olympic Games. And I was breastfeeding at the time. So I would say, you know, being able to find an avenue in which I could like pump, ship my breast milk back, that was a barrier that would basically was forcing me to kind of choose if I was going to stop breastfeeding or if I was going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just want to be able to make as much stuff easier so that it isn't so difficult for a woman to be a mom and an athlete. Because again, you know, it is not an easy thing at all. But like I said, with our organization and mother, it is about breaking down those barriers because there are so many. Mm -hmm. Kara, your thoughts? Yeah, I think as a as an athlete, I think the hardest thing for me was, you know, the time commitment of being a mother and, and not being able to rest properly, not always being able to um, nourish my body properly. You know, once you become a mother, that's your number one. And so I went from what I thought was a really difficult existence where I trained twice a day and napped <laughs> to not being able to nap, not being able to eat properly. And so that was really difficult for me to learn how to lean on other people and figure that whole thing out. Yeah, that's, um, I appreciate both of you being so honest with it. And also, you know, you and your perspective, Lolo, for sure, because it is like, as, as you guys are saying this, I'm just saying, if, there, if there's just a way to make it more normalcy, right? And it's like, you're not having to feel like an outsider. Because I'm laughing because I remember when I returned to work for the first time and I was pumping and all that, it was at the Indy 500. And that was the very first assignment I had back. And I'm working out of trailers and trying to figure out where I can go, but everyone made me feel super comfortable. And that's the key. It's like, it's what we're talking about. It's, you're just, you're figuring out a way to do it. And it's just what you do. And also having the confidence to just own it, right? It's like having the guidelines set in place where you can feel like you just own it. It's not a thing. And we're here to do our job. Well, look, Alicia, you definitely owned it. I mean, running in <laughs> spandex at eight months pregnant. What's that like? Both of it, right? What's that, what's that really like? It's empowering, to be completely honest. It's why I started my clothing line with Kate and Shay Bloom mm -hmm. line, because it's about, you know, knowing that 
as my body evolves and my body changes, like I want to be empowered in this. Look at what my body can do. It is super duper strong. So, I mean, like I said, I want to be able to give that to women so that they can thrive. Awesome. Awesome. Kara, do you have any fun stories about competing or, or having to run when you were in a similar situation? You know, I do remember um, at the very end of my pregnancy, you know, there's a lot of Nike athletes. I was living in Oregon at the time and they had been over in Europe for the summer and I was out running with my shirt off. I was nine months pregnant. My feet were barely coming off the ground and I ran into Shalane Flanagan, who's one of my biggest competitors at the time. And I thought, yeah, I'm not running over here anymore. I don't need, I don't need her to see me slog, slogging around like this. And, you know, they were just like, oh my God, you're so big. So yeah, that was a funny memory. We, we, we ended up being teammates and we laughed about that a lot. That's awesome. Uh, We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Alicia, Kara, um, a great discussion that certainly needs more attention, but for now, we really appreciate both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. That's going to do it for today. Be sure to follow at On Her Turf. You can do that on Instagram and Twitter. And also check out the On Her Turf podcast for conversations just like this. I'm Lindsay Zarniak. We'll see you next time. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit.